Welcome to the Statesman Journal's Explore Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Ness, and in each episode, we highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. This podcast is brought to you by the American Forest Resource Council, supporting responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest. Learn more at amforest.org. We're also supported by Visit Tillamook Coast, a land of ocean and forest just an hour from the Willamette Valley that this summer is focusing on the best way to care for its forest, beaches, and waterways through a promotion that emphasizes cleaning up and leaving no trace. We'll dive into how they do that just a little bit later in the show. Finally, the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department encourages Oregonians to enjoy parks safely this summer. If you're camping, please follow campfire safety guidelines, such as keeping the flames from your fire to no more than two feet in height and using the fire ring provided at your campsite. And please use local wood to avoid bringing invasive species into parks. This will help preserve the health of Oregon's forests for seasons to come. Learn more about campfire guidelines, including current restrictions at stateparks.oregon.gov. All right, in today's episode, we're heading high into Oregon's old growth canopy to climb and even camp in the giant trees 250 feet above the ground. Recreational tree climbing is an exciting new way to experience Oregon's outdoors. And coming up, I'll talk to the man who's brought it to Silver Falls State Park. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. Well, today we are heading high up into the canopy of Silver Falls State Park to explore Oregon's largest state park in a completely different way. For the third year, a new experience is being offered at the park, and that is taking a guided climb up old growth trees almost 300 feet tall using ropes, a harness, and other equipment. This year, you can even camp at the top of those trees, lying in a hammock and watching the sun set the stars come out, and then the sun rise again. You can even have a meal up in the tree if you want to. The outfitter leading these trips is the business Tree Climbing at Silver Falls, and today we're joined by its owner, Leo Rosen Fisher, who's been climbing trees for over a decade in the Pacific Northwest. Hey, Leo, thanks for joining us today to talk some tree climbing. Hey, Zach, thanks for having me. All right, so to start off on the most simple level, can you describe what's involved with this style of tree climbing? I mean, we're not hucking up the branches the way we did as kids or even touching the tree a whole lot. So how does it work? How would you, how are you getting up? Can you kind of explain it in those really simple terms? Yeah, we're, we're mostly rope climbing for um, the, the good duration of the experience. So most of the branches don't start for even, you know, 150 feet or so. So it takes a lot of rope climbing before we could even get up into those branches and start climbing the branches as we remember as a kid. And really what we're, we're using for the most part are two hand ascenders attached to foot loops. And so we're kind of moving our weight, shifting our weight between each ascender, uh, doing a squat kind of technique. So it's really mostly leg powers is what we're using to get up the ropes and, and, and come back down. And those ropes are set up in advance. So when you get to the tree that you're climbing, you already have those ropes you know, coming down out of the tree and, you know, you can attach to them. So how do you get those ropes up there so that like, you know, you're just, you're ready to go? 
Yeah, so we maintain that equipment up in the tree all year long. Um, and to get those um, ropes up in the first place, we have a couple different methods. One way is using a giant slingshot. But for most of our trees, it's too big to use the, the slingshot. The slingshot only shoots maybe like 100 feet high or, you know, or so accurately. And so we um, and I usually um, use like a drone to get the first lines up in the trees now. So we have a drone that has like a little weight attached to it and we can tell the drone to release the, the weight, uh, you know, whenever we want. And basically attached to that weight is a really thin throw line that weighs very little. It's like really thin. And once we get that line up and over the tree and then put it where we want it to, and we tell the drone to release the weight, the rope, the throw line kind of comes all the way up and all the way back down. And then we use that line to pull up the main climbing line. Yeah. And it's really interesting because I think most people think there would be like more to it. Like when you, this idea of climbing hundreds of feet up into a tree canopy, like is there's, there has to be more, it has to be more complicated, but it's actually pretty simple. Like the rope is there, you know, you hook your ascenders in there you know, you got your harnesses and you just kind of inch your way like an inchworm sort of up the rope. And that's all there is to it. Do people expect it to be more complicated, I guess, when they come out the first time? They do. And and a lot of that complication we take out of it, right? We, we do that all for people. Um, like that's us setting up the equipment beforehand and getting all the anchors up there and maintaining them all year long. Like that's the complicated part. And that also allows us, um, to, you know, to have like these experiences and adventures and, and courses kind of at lower rates than are at usual, like in the rest of the industry is because like we maintain this equipment all year long. Um, and so really that complication is, is taken out like um, um, yeah, from day to day for most of our users. Yeah. yeah. You know, I should mention that I went climbing with a group of kids and Leo uh, last month at Silver Falls. And that was a lot of fun. And one of the things you mentioned was that this style of tree climbing shares some DNA with rock climbing. So what would you say are the major similar, like if you're somebody who rock climbs, goes rock climbing at the gym, you know, has, has done maybe climbing at Smith rock, like what are the similarities and differences between this kind of tree climbing and rock climbing? Um, there's a lot of similarities and a lot of differences um, at the same time. So, so um, the equipment will be very similar, like we're using rope. Um, so the ropes are similar, harnesses are similar. The equipment that we use in our program to climb the trees are hand ascenders attached to foot loops. And those were invented um, by the rock climbing industry to do mountaineering work and crevasse rescue. And so those came directly from, from, from the rock climbing industry, but they also happen to be really versatile and work really well um, for recreational tree climbing as well. In fact, my grandfather, was actually, you know, he had connections with the people that invented the first ascender um, in Switzerland. They used to be called Jumars, and so some people still call it Jumaring. Um, we, you know, we have the more updated, modern, safer ones, of course. Oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah, the hand ascenders are pretty interesting because they're, they're sort of the, the new thing that maybe, you know, a lot of people haven't worked with. But, they, you know, they just slide up the rope really, really easily, but then they, they stick. And so like, you know, once it feels really secure to kind of hold on to those, it, you know, it's kind of a simplistic way of putting it, but they seem almost kind of idiot proof. Um, like, you know, it, like it would be hard to like screw up too badly with them because they're, they seem pretty well designed. So, okay. Yeah. So let's jump into the tree climbing a little bit more. So what makes it fun? Like, you know, you've been bringing people up for over a decade and, you know, three years at Silver Falls. Uh, what's the response? Like, what are the common themes of people that come out and what, what are they, what do they, what do they express to you? Like what sticks out about it? The fact that it allows people to see a perspective of nature that most people have never seen before is a common one. 
Um, the fact that you get up on top of the canopy and you get to see um, a very different um, viewpoint of nature, and it's a very powerful connection of nature too. The fact that you're climbing like some of like the largest living, um, you know, things on the, on our planet, um, and get to be you know literally connected to it and climb up them, and then you know um, you know get to see everything that's up there in this unique ecological environment that very few people have ever been is is a really powerful perspective and and. Um, and it shows in, in our in our participants. Like we've even had some people, you know, literally cry when doing the experience just because of you know how unique it is, and it's almost like exploring like a new alien world and just really seeing the forest for like the first time. It's it's a pretty cool experience to share. Yeah, and I mean, you offer a bunch of different options. I mean, we're going to talk about camping a little bit later, but you do um, a sunset climb and you do kind of a standard climb. Uh, tell me about the sunset one a little bit because that's that's just has always sounded cool. Yeah, the sunset one is probably one of our more popular um, excursions that we do, and um, it requires a about a, a forty minute hike to get to this tree. It's like a giant secluded tree in the backcountry part of Silver Falls State Park, so it's really hidden, and it's um, it's our largest tree as well. It's um, about three hundred feet tall, and um, it really stands completely over the canopy and you have a view that overlooks the Willamette Valley. Um, so you're kind of looking towards sublimity in Salem and you get to see the sunset fall over the Western mountains, you know, heading towards the ocean. And it, it really gives you an almost complete 360 degree view of, of like the Valley and the Cascade mountains. And it's, it's a really gorgeous, very romantic experience if you're looking for like a fun date. Yeah. And I was wondering actually, as, you know, one of the more interesting parts is the descent. You know, you put on the descender, you kind of gradually are sort of repelling down the rope. Are you doing that in the dark on the on the sunset climb? Like, what's that like? Yeah, you're uh, you're doing it completely in the dark. So um, when the sunset, you know, obviously goes down, the, the rest of the forest floor is completely pitch black. So we have um, everyone outfitted with special headlamps. So when you're repelling, you're actually repelling with with, with headlamps and those headlamps also have black lights on them as well. So some of the, um, the plant species and, 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 and um, fungus species and lichen up there, like they actually glow um, under black light. It's mm. kind of very avatarish. Um, and even some of the bugs do, there's actually some bugs that literally glow like, um, like bioluminescence and um, like, you know, like some kind of like jellyfish in the, in, in, the, in the ocean. And it's really cool to see. And not many people know that we have that just in our backyard. Wow. Yeah. So glowing jellyfish in the tree as you are repelling down from a 300 foot monster. Wow. That, yeah, that definitely paints a picture. So let's walk through the standard trip just a little bit, just because it's, it, it has a very obvious progression to it. Cause that first hour or so the trip is really focused on learning how to use that equipment. Uh, working on this little training tree. And I was kind of surprised by how quickly people could figure it out. Even the kids I was with, like, you know, it's it's fairly logical to the point that by the time we got to the bigger tree, you know, you could almost get yourself hooked in and, and do a lot of it yourself. So, I mean, do most people pick it up that quick? And does that, that evolution of that trip seem to work for most people? Yeah, it really does. Um, I mean, we spend like a good hour and a half doing training and, and demonstrations uh, and practice. Um, but the reason that we use the system, the system of climbing that we do is just because it is pretty intuitive and it's pretty simple to, to pick up quickly in a short amount of time. And if you think about it, like most of our experiences, like the half day, four hour experience, we don't really have a lot of time to like really train everybody 
Um, so we need like a technique that's really easy to pick up. And that's one of the reasons why we chose the gear that we do is so people can really pick it up as quickly as possible and get them out there to climb to climb the, the, the really giant trees and, and, and get to the main experience. Okay, so let's talk about accessibility. Now, I'd climbed before, so I kind of had a good idea of what to expect, but I was sort of curious how a group of kids would would do with something like this. And so as far as ages go, uh, when we were climbing, I brought a 7-year-old, an 11-year-old, and then a 13-year-old up last month to climb, and all of them really enjoyed it. Like, it's just fun to be suspended in midair, off the tree, you know, just feeling yourself way above the ground like that. It's like, a, it's a new sensation, but... You could definitely see the differences between the ages. Like the 13-year-old made it up pretty quick all the way to the top. Um, the 11-year-old was a little bit more cautious, like getting around the branches and stuff like that. But he made it up to the top as well. And then my 7-year-old, like she got a little bit tired. Um, I think she was a little nervous about the, the height a little bit. And so she stayed right around the halfway point on the tree. Still, again, she had a great time, but didn't go all the way up to the top. So what do you see? with the different ages, both in terms of younger climbers and then even with older adults as well, like how do they do fair physically? And like, you know, what, what have you seen in, in guiding people up? <laughs> it's a lot of stuff, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to hit, hit, hit them all. Um, so if kids like younger kids, um, like, you know, seven years old, like, like you have to be seven years or older to do this experience. And that's not like that age limit is really set for like safety per se. It's more like kids either have the motor skills or don't have the motor skills to do this activity and it just clicks or doesn't click. And then it's the same way too with mentality. So younger kids, they either understand the concept of fear and heights or they don't. Um, and if they don't, then they just climb, you know, perfectly well. And, you know, they just climb right up to the top of the tree without a worry. But if they're just like starting to get to that age, like where they're starting to understand danger and heights and fear, then um, they can actually have like a little bit of a mental block and they don't, um, you know, a lot of times, Sometimes they don't climb all the way up to the top of the tree like we saw with that seven-year-old. Um, but that's not to say they can't do it. And it's a great opportunity for younger kids to actually do some character building and, and skills building and whatnot. And um, yeah, in our kids' camps, which we offer, um, you know, they're five days long. And almost all the kids, by the end of the five five days, will get to the top of our giant old-growth trees. You know, So they'll be climbing 200, 300 feet giant trees by the end of that camp just because of like their character building that they develop. Um, with us from you know basically exposure therapy doing it over and over again and working on techniques that we do with them for older adults um it's more of a physical ability limit um our oldest climber to do this without any assistance from us was 89 years old so that's like that's us like not helping them in any way um but we also have something called a battery sender um and that basically works by uh, connecting a big battery to a motor and it's really quiet but all you need to do is pull a button and it gets you up the tree and so this makes it like really accessible for for anyone um, to um, to do this activity and uh, it's only 75 dollars extra to use that battery sender and we have to charge a little bit for it because it wears down our equipment a lot faster than our normal equipment but uh, then again that battery center really makes it available to anybody um, our oldest person to climb and do this activity with the battery center was 99 years old oh wow yeah so it's uh, definitely bring grandma definitely bring grandpa bring the whole family out there's no reason anybody you know can't do this um, and we want to see the, the full wide spectrum 
Well, tell me about the trees that you're climbing because, you know, every tree is different and unique in its own way. And that seems like that's the case in the trees that you can climb in the backcountry of Silver Falls. So like to put us on a map, I mean, this this is far away from the big crush of the waterfall crowds. You know, this is in the backcountry of the park that gets used sometimes by mountain bikers, by horseback riders, but it's just, it's much different. It's just much quieter back there. So tell me about the trees. Like, you know, um, what do they offer high up in the canopy? Like I remember there was uh, a river tree you mentioned, there was almost like a monkey tree. So tell me about the the different trees that you're climbing and what they bring to the table. Yeah, we picked um, different trees for different, um, different characteristics for different experiences. So we have a, a river tree, which is by like a little river and stream, and it overlooks the, a swamp. Um, so it has like a large um, deciduous forest around it. So you really get to see like the different layers of the, can- of the canopy of our forests. Um, and that one's great um, if you are looking for like a view of some water and um and whatnot. Um, our other trees is uh, what we call the branch tree, and it has a lot of branches, much, much closer to the ground than any of our other trees. So if you want to climb like a lot of branches, like you're a rock climber, and you want to connect with that kind of that kid memory of you climbing on branches, the branch tree is obviously a great tree for that. And then we have the sunset tree, which is our largest new tree, almost 300 feet tall. And that one takes a bit to get to, and it's very large, and it has a great view overlook, overlooking the Willamette Valley. Um, Okay, so speaking of trees, one thing that you and park manager Chris Gillian mentioned was how careful you were to not harm them at all. I know there's a forester that checks the trees after you've been using them, making sure there's no damage to them. And you make conservation part of the experience, kind of a talk beforehand about old growth trees and their virtues. Um, so can you explain how this type of climbing uh, seeks to avoid damage? And because I know that's something people do worry about when they hear, you know, look, it's a guided tree climb. And they're like, well, what about the trees? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I think it's a very different thing compared to, to rock climbing is that recreational tree climbing is, you know, we have to keep in mind that we're climbing something that's living, something that's ancient, and we want to respect them and protect them so other future generations can have. Um, and so none of our equipment does any damage to the trees. Uh, we make sure that you know, we're not cutting into the tree. We don't ever have any equipment that's, you know, dug into the tree or drilled into the tree. Like nothing ever goes into the tree. It's just wrapping around the trunk of the tree. So uh, nothing's really getting cut into the tree. And when we talk about that with, you know, with our client, of our participants, you know, before we get started, um, you know, making sure that, you know, people aren't intentionally like picking green things off the tree or trying to hurt like the ecological environment that's up there. And we talk all sorts about um, different subjects related to the ecology of the old growth, you know, when we're a just getting started and getting started. And then also when we get up into the tops of the canopy. All right. So take me through the process of kind of how you select the different trees, because I know that's a whole process that you go through with the park in advance. Yeah. Um, so we intentionally select trees that don't have any wildlife in them. So we we do uh, multiple pre-inspections of the tree. So when, I, uh, when we're using that drone to initially set um, a tree, we also use that drone to make inspections of it to make sure there's no nest up there that we can see. And then we do a climbing inspection and make sure that there's also no wildlife, you know, up close and personally. And then uh, we also check the health of the tree to make sure it's a healthy tree so it can actually hold all of our participants very safely. Um, and then the state park also comes through and does their own inspections as well. So we're doing a really good job of making sure that, you know, any trees, we're trying to have like the 
least minimal impact on our environment as possible, obviously. Um, and if it does have a, have a like, you know, uh, wildlife in there that we're trying to avoid, we just select one of the other 10,000 different trees that's in the park. So it's, it's not hard for us to, to do this activity um, simultaneously by protecting the environment. And it's one of the really cool things about recreational tree climbing is that, you know, it's an activity that you can do that creates like this whole new industry that also coincides really well with protecting our, our environment and, and teaching, um, you know, valuable educational topics. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. When we return, Leo is going to talk about his latest trip, which involves climbing and camping at the top of trees. We're also going to talk about how this form of tree climbing came to be. So that's when we return. I'm Sarah Melton with the American Forest Resource Council. I love the outdoors and exploring the forests near my hometown. My job is to protect our forests and wildlife. I work to defend forest management projects in the courtroom and to support the workers and agencies who steward our forests and public lands. Good forest management based on the best science keeps our forests healthy, improves wildlife habitat, keeps our air and water clean, and gives us the sustainable timber we need for renewable and climate-friendly wood products. AFRC is proud to sponsor the Explore Oregon podcast. Learn more about us at amforest.org. This message is brought to you by Visit Tillamook Coast. On the Tillamook Coast, we've cared for our forest, farmlands, beaches, and waterways for generations. It's in our DNA, and we bet it's in yours too. While visiting, help us care for our coast. Place trash in garbage cans, pick up after your pet, stay on trails, respect private property, and follow beach fire rules, which means extinguishing fires with water while also checking local rules to avoid igniting wildfires. Tillamook Coast welcomes your visit, and we hope that you'll become a temporary local while here. A few ways to do that include pitching in on a beach cleanup or taking a guided kayak tour to hear about ways to protect bays and rivers. There are science hikes to take, nature preserves and marine reserves to explore, or you can visit a farm, a commercial fishing dock, or even stop by a fish hatchery. Find out about all these options and how to care for our coast at tillamookcoast.com slash caringforourcoast. Once again, it's tillamookcoast.com slash caringforourcoast. Okay, welcome back. Now, the newest experience that you're offering is not just climbing, but camping high in the canopy. You're doing pretty much the same kind of thing, climbing up with the ropes and the harnesses and the ascenders, but then you're staying at a campsite instead of coming down right away, right at the top. So can you describe what a treetop campsite looks like and how this whole process works? Yeah. Um, tree camping um, looks like you being in a hammock at the top of the canopy of a tree, um, overlooking a view of of deep in the forest or overlooking the Willamette Valley if you're at the top of our sunset tree. Uh, we also use polar ledges sometimes, and that will be like a, it's kind of like a, a flat platform that's artificially created up there. Um, 
you can look one up online. They're called porter ledges. And, and basically rock climbers use those to do multi, multi-day, multi-pitch, uh, big wall climbs. Um, so it's really the same technology that we have in rock climbing. I think the, the hammocks are actually more comfy personally than the porter ledge. Uh, they're a lot easier to set up too. Uh, but they're both great, great options. And we, we have both of them for, for people. Um, but basically, yeah, it really is the same kind of experience as the, 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 the climbing experience. You get to climb up the tree, but you don't get to go down, you know, at night you get to stay up there and, 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 you know, uh, get your sleeping set up all, all, all set up before the sunset and before the stars come out. So you're using like a sleeping bag, you're using a sleeping pad, you have extra layers, you know, we have special equipment up there so you can use the restroom. That's probably like one of uh, the most popular questions that we get is how would you use the restroom when you're at the top of the tree? And so we have like special, special equipment, like um, wag bags and, and buckets and, and pee bottles and, and shiwis for the ladies. And it just, it just requires like a little bit of creativity up there um, um, to use the restroom. But, um, and we can also cook up there too as well. Um, so we can make you know, meals for people that want us to prepare meals for them. And so it's really, it's really just like a campsite in a lot of ways, except you are 280 feet off the ground with an incredible view that you would never get anywhere else. Given you're 280 feet off the ground, what about uh, those restless sleepers among us who like to toss and turn and stuff? Like what, what do you do to make sure people aren't rolling off out of their hammock or their bed and, you know, plummeting through the branches? Like what's, what's that <laughs> setup look like? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so, so the poor ledge has lots of straps. You can't like really roll out of it anyways, even if you try to do. Um, uh, additionally, you are also tied into a harness the whole time. So you, um, even if you were to fall out of your sleeping device, like the hammock or the poor ledge, like you still wouldn't be able to fall. Like your harness would still catch you. Gotcha. Okay. So what what is spending a night at the top of the tree? Like what's special about it? We talked about... Before you mentioned, you know, the night sky, there's the sunset, the sunrise, the animal life in the canopy. So paint me a little picture uh, of the experience when you're up there. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned some of the big topics like this, getting to see the sun, sunset, the sunrise, getting to see the stars. Um, there's a lot more that goes into it than just those, um, those, those amazing things that we already mentioned. Um, when you're up there, you get to be in the forest like a lot longer than any of our other experiences. It's, it's like an 18 hour experience, you know, so um, you get to hear so many more sounds than you would from any of our other experiences, just getting to spend the night up there. Um, in fact, you actually, I, I think most people don't actually get uh, a lot of sleep because you're just so excited with all the new sounds and all the new feelings up there that you just want to stay awake and kind of take it all in. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, But it's not a bad thing necessarily. I mean, some people actually do snooze like quite hard right away because our equipment is actually pretty comfy. But, you know, to each their own. Um, and uh, so you hear like a lot of different sounds from birds and owls, and you also get to see different lights in the sky than you would normally get to see. And, and the fact that you just have a 360 degree view at the top of our sunset tree, if you're camping on that one, just allows you to see like a full range of the forest that you would not normally get to experience and, and really take in like, you know, it's almost kind of like a forest bathing kind of experience where you really get to take in like the 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 special air at the top of the the ancient forest you know that we're we're camping in now you mentioned there is kind of an add-on where you can add a i think it's a breakfast or a dinner right so what what are the culinary options at the top of a tree yeah uh, the, the culinary options um they're, they're the typical um you know kind of camping meals dehydrated meals we're not we're not trying to take up any like super serious heavy fancy foods up there 
Um, but we do have a very wide range of foods that everyone gets to enjoy. So we have, you know, all the way from vegan, vegetarian to meat options um, for, for both breakfast and for dinner. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we haven't had any complaints, but we're not like, yeah, we're, it's not like a five-star restaurant. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> but it's very unique, you know, the fact that you get the chance to eat up in the tree, you know, looking at the view or watching the sunset fall over Willamette Valley. It's a, it's a sunset dinner that you will never get to experience anywhere else. Let me just put it that way. It'll be a very, very memorable. Now, one thing um, that I mentioned at the top a little bit, but I wanted to get into a little bit more is that this entire experience, what you're offering is sort of a new thing for Oregon State Park System. They've been going through this process of looking to add new and different experiences at State Park and, you know, that are maybe a little bit more exciting, a little bit different than just, you know, hiking and camping and campgrounds and stuff like that. Um, And the goal here, you know, at Silver Falls is the park manager talked about wanting to get people into the backcountry of the park, you know, away from those massive crowds that can build up on the weekends around the trail of 10 falls and the waterfalls. I mean, that's why most people go to Silver Falls, but they're trying to, you know, spread out the use a little bit, give people a different experience. So, and then they get a little bit of revenue uh, from using the park. So do you like this arrangement? Do you think this is a, a good arrangement between like what Silver Falls gets, what you get and what people get in this experience? Yeah, I think it is a good arrangement. Um, the fact that um, our our experience and our revenues do go back to um, Oregon State Parks is is a great because it allows us and our experience to support the parks and maintain them for future generations. And it really kind of goes back to um, you know like the values. Like we want we it's just like another way for the parks to generate you know revenues to keep doing like what we love and protecting what we love. And um, the fact that we get to be a part of that is, is great. Um, in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, policy wise, I think it's, I think it's a really good opportunity that the park is opening up these new experiences in their parks like us, and then many more to come, hopefully, um, because it really allows like new opportunities and new adventures and new experiences that the state parks would never be able to do on their own. Like, you know, they don't have like the, the skills and expertise to do what we can do for them inside the park. And that really opens up this whole, whole nother level of adventures that people, um, you know, get to have the opportunity to experience at these parks. Well, I'm kind of curious how this has evolved because, you know, I remember reading a book back in the day about how, you know, loggers, like you mentioned loggers, they would kind of dig their spurs into it, you know, back, you know, back in the way early days to, to climb them. So how did this kind of, you know, roped focused climbing evolved? It was like the seventies or the eighties. Do you have that backstory for how this became a thing you could do? Yeah. So rope climbing really started in, in rock climbing and mountaineering climbing. That's how it originally got started. But for recreational tree climbing, um, I mean, the history is kind of vague on it, but, you know, we do know that people were climbing trees for fun, like, like a long, long time ago. You know, there's even historical records back to the Roman Empire about that. Um, in the United States, um, with the Society of Arborists got started, I believe, in the 1920s. So that's like a group of people who do tree service work. And, you know, a lot of them also climb trees for fun. Um, and, you know, they were kind of doing like the, their own events. So you could say it could have kind of started then. It could have also kind of started like around like the research around the redwoods, like getting up into the canopies. And, and, and that was, you know, kind of happening throughout like the mid 1900s. And then we have some of these larger organizations like Tree Climbing um, International, which is, um, founded in the 1980s, I believe. 
uh, by an arborist, and they're located in Georgia. And then we have some other more recent organizations like the Global Organization of Tree Climbers, uh, which we're hosting their their um, their event uh, next year in 2024, if you all want to come out for it. Um, and they got started, let's say, I think that they were founded in 2007, I believe. And so really, these organizations are, pro- are progressing. It hasn't like quite taken off like it has rock climbing, but we are so close. Like we are there. Like I expect like this in- industry to only continue and to explode eventually, kind of like rock climbing did and for uh, all sorts of positive reasons. And um, our organization at Tree Climbing at Silver Falls is just one example like uh, of that. Um, we, we, we might actually even be um, the largest recreational tree climbing organization in the United States. I don't know of any organization that takes more than a thousand people a year. And so that's just like another example and testament to like what the potential of this industry has. Yeah. What would, what do you think it would take for to, to bring tree climbing? Because I mean, I've, I've you know, like I mentioned, I, I did it a decade ago. I did it with you last week. It's it's a lot of fun. What does it take to, to bring it from where it is now to even make it a little bit more mainstream? Like, is it just word of mouth? Is it getting used to the equipment? Uh, is it having it in unique places like Silver Falls? Like what what brings it to that next level? Yeah, it's a good question. And there's a lot of inputs involved in it. Um, and they're being developed. And I think, I think the largest um, factor um, about increasing recreational tree climbing, uh, the industry itself is going to be actually the partnership between private organizations like myself and, and, and public lands. So really designating certain trees in all state parks that would be, you know, trees for recreational tree climbing and have them kind of being preset to a certain extent and having some kind of some kind of process to really check to make sure that the people who are climbing them, you know, like that they're checked out and that they have some kind of um, some kind of membership that, that, that says that, you know, that they've been in, that their climbing skills have been, in, been expected um, and that, uh, you know, that they know how to climb these trees without hurting the trees. And I think that membership between public lands and some organization like myself and, and other organizations is really going to push the industry to its next level and really open it up to a much larger audience. Yeah, because, I mean, you could see in a place like Redwood National and State Park down on the, you know, that's, that place is all about the trees. So if there was some option for climbing there, um, but I mean, do you have to overcome a certain like stigma to convince public land agencies that this is a good thing that it's, you know, you know, respectful to the trees and not ecologically damaging? Like, is there like um, a ledge you have to get over, I guess, to gain that trust and make it more mainstream? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think like with any new program, you always have to, you know, have some some education and some trust, you know, building between the partners. That's uh, that's that's nothing new, you know, with any new program. And so, you know, something, you know, like us, like we we had to do that as well. You know, it took, you know, three plus years to get into um, or, you know, two to three years to get into um, Silver Falls State Park and and slowly build that that reputation and show them that our current systems that we employed up in Washington are, you know, um, protecting the trees and it's a good viable program for the for their parks too. And and um, yeah, as long as things keep keep continuing on the path they are, I think that we will continue to build that trust and educate people about the benefits of recreational tree climbing and the fact that, you know, we're not harming the trees and that, um, you know, um, having more people connecting with trees in the forest in the sense of recreational tree climbing is just more of a way for people to connect to more reasons like why we should protect the forest and 
and um, preserve old growth forests and let our forests, you know, return, uh, return back to old growth, you know. All right. Well, once again, I've been talking with Leo Rosen Fisher, the owner of Tree Climbing at Silver Falls. Thanks again, Leo. Thank you. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have left in today's show. If you liked what you've heard, check out our catalog of more than 60 episodes featuring Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places at statesmanjournal.com slash explore, along with Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. We'd once again like to thank our sponsors, beginning with the American Forest Resources Council. AFRC supports responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest for our environment, for our economy, and for the future. Learn more at amforests.org. We'd also like to thank Visit Tillamook Coast. If you want to plan a trip out there, you can check out their outdoor recreation map that shows all the places to hike, swim, boat, and camp. You can find that map at tillamookcoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. Once again, that's tillamookcoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. And thanks to the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department, which stresses the importance of recreating responsibly and leaving no trace in Oregon's outdoors. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time for the next edition of the Explore Oregon podcast.